Bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-bhagavatam-sutta-
himself, his form, his attributes, his lila, ultimately, and our place within it. And so here in the second verse, with great humility and uh, overwhelmed by uh, depression, Mahaprabhu continues to speak about the glories of the Holy Name, which should extend our, uh, increase our faith and appreciation. But uh, as we'll see in this verse, it creates a, a, a dilemma. Mahaprabhu's dilemma is one thing, ours is a little different. So while um, in, in the context of his own dilemma, then uh, when applied to our our own situation, um, the verse takes on a little bit different meaning. Let's think about it from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's disposition first. He says, Nam Namakari Bahuda, that... Um, you have many names. He's speaking to Krishna. Krishna has many names. So this is uh, a, a virtue. This is uh, encouraging to us. We have many uh, interests. Krishna has many names. This is a basic understanding. As there are many desires, the Lord has many names. And and that way he uh, answers to many desires. In fact, it's mentioned in in, in the uh, commentary of Baladeva Dibhushan of Vedanta Sutra, I believe, that uh, all names are names of God <laughs> when properly understood. <clears throat> so he has many names. But at the same time, Nidhisarva Shaktis, he says, He's qualifying that although he has many names and, uh, yeah, in other words, he is all desirable. One is pursuing me alone, whether he knows it or not, by one name or another. It's me, really, that everyone is pursuing. And, so I answer to all desires in one face or another face. So I have many names. But amongst the many names of the Lord, there are names that are secondary and there are names that are primary. So Mahaprabhu says in a general way, Oh, you're very merciful. You have many names. You answer to all people in all conditions in some form or another, although they don't recognize it as you. He's speaking about the kindness, compassion of the Lord. But then he says, Nijasairvashaktis. That means he wants to uh, speak for the most part. Uh, he is concerned with, as to say, names of the Lord that are primary, not secondary. How is that? Because the primary names, Nijasairvashakti. These names are names that are full of your shakti. That means these are names of the Lord that um, he is known by within his lila. Jashodanandana, Devaginandana, Radhanatha. 
These names are um, very pleasing to the Lord. Their uh, primary names, they're energized by a shakti, means, again, they are names of the Lord in relation to his devotees. What do his devotees represent? His shakti. What is a devotee? A devotee who is one who, in whom the Lord has awakened his own nature. The Lord does not go outside of himself for pleasure. He's atmaram, self-satisfied. How is it then that he gets pleasure from his devotees? Because those devotees are expressions of his own nature, his swarup shakti, that is the internal energy of the Lord. We are the tatasta shakti, marginal energy, but when we become uh, we come under the influence of the sarup shakti when this predominates then we then the lord relates with us directly in leela and takes great pleasure in that so it's a kind of a taking pleasure in his own nature as it is expressed uh, through the jeev and uh, who um, <coughs> through bhakti uh, surrenders his own will and independence and becomes one in desire with the lord our philosophy is beda beda, chinta beda beda, oneness and difference. We intend to emphasize the difference so that our teaching will be distinguished for the common people from the unqualified oneness of Advaita Vedanta, wherein the jiva and Brahman are considered to be one in all respects. However, we should keep in mind that our teaching is one of beda beda, oneness and difference. So difference while we may emphasize the oneness is also there, and there should be some emphasis on that. And it means that we must become one with Krishna in desire, in regard to bhakti. And through such persons who have done so, he, he expresses himself, that is Leela, Krishna expressing himself in many ways. So the, the devotee is, the swarup, is a manifestation of the swarup shakti of the Lord, his internal energy. He consorts with that, with his own nature, so to speak. So when we say that the, when Mahaprabhu says here the names invested with your shakti, then we can understand it's a reference to his primary names, not secondary names. When Tapan Mishra and Chandrasekhar were sent to Banaras, Baranasi, by the Lord, of course, they went, but they didn't know why. Why are we being sent there? And when they arrived there, they were that much more confused. Because devotees live in the association of other devotees or for the association of devotees. They live for that purpose, to have that company. And the Lord wants that company. What to speak of us? How desirable it should be for us. Krishna is hankering for that. Sometimes there's talk about the jivas falling from Goloka, but we wonder why they ever would. But furthermore, if they would, would Krishna ever let them go? We understand the nature of absolute love and we know the answer. When Mahaprabhu heard of the passing of Anupam, the elder brother, or the, the, the brother of Rups, one of the brothers, the, the third brother amongst the three, Rups, Sanatan, and Anupam, and of how, uh, although he had sat with Rupa Sanatana and they had discussed uh, 
the uh, worship of Radha and Krishna and how exalted that was, is, and was convinced scripturally and intellectually that he should uh, that he should join them in a pact to worship Radha Govinda forever, for the rest of his life. That night when he went to sleep, he couldn't sleep because he for his life long. His lifelong preoccupation was that of devotion to Ram, Sita and Ram. And the thought of giving that up was unbearable to him. So in the morning he, he said, I cannot give it up, and he shortly thereafter died. Mahaprabhu heard about this. He said, what glorious is that devotee who will not give up his Lord? And glorious is that Lord who will not give up his devotee. And if for any reason his devotee should go astray, he goes after him, Mahaprabhu said, by the hair and grabs him, pulls him back. So, to live in the association of devotees, to live for the association of devotees, Krishna is living for the association, to have the association of his devotees. So we should strive for this. Tapan Mishra Chandrasekhar, they were sent to Banaris by the Lord and they weren't sure why. When they got there, they were even more confused. There were no devotees there. That means they never heard the name Krishna, Ram, Dishodanandan, Shamsundar. Oh, they heard other names, Paramatma, Brahman. These are secondary names of the Lord. There, there was no interest in the Shakti of the Lord, in the life of the Absolute. And Benares is a center for uh, knowledge, impersonalism. Many Buddhists live there also. It's not a devotional place, uh, per se. So here Mahaprabhu is talking about primary names, not the secondary names. This is his concern. When we call, again, when we call on the Lord in terms of those primary names, we call on the Lord in terms of his relationship with his unalloyed devotees. This gives him great pleasure. So he's living for his devotees. It is said that there's one thing that Krishna, who is the person who has everything, does not have. One thing that he doesn't have. What is the one thing that Krishna doesn't have? Who can say? He doesn't have his heart because it's been stolen by his devotees. So, this gives us a clue as to how we can approach him. We can offer him our heart. Please take my heart. Yours has been taken by your devotee. This is bhakti. Krishna always wants to serve his devotees. That is his preoccupation. Devotees, on the other hand, never want to accept any service from Krishna. So there's a basic disagreement between Krishna and Krishna's devotees. Such is the nature of love. It moves in a crooked way. But this dilemma, this uh, disagreement between the Lord and the devotees, makes for an opportunity for ourselves, a great opportunity. What is that opportunity? We can serve Krishna's devotees, and through us, Krishna's desire to serve his devotees will be fulfilled. And then, so much, we'll be recognized by him. This is the secret. So, Krishna, Krishna's devotees. 
his names, his primary names, are those that speak of him in terms of his uh, loving relationship with his devotees. Those are names that are filled with his shakti, it means. Also, of course, beyond that, it means the name has all power, all shakti. I once gave a talk many, many years ago in an Indian man's house, um, Hindu man, family man, and um, I was speaking of the glories of the holy name, and then he said, Swamiji, afterwards, a very nice talk, I liked it very much. Only one question I have, that uh, you are saying how nice is the chanting uh, of Krishna Nam, but my question is, what about feeding the people of India, hungry people? How will the hungry people of India be fed? They are suffering. And how this will help them? So he didn't hear the talk that well <laughs> to raise the question. So I said to him, the problem is that, number one, you think that the people of India who are hungry are suffering and that you live in the suburbs here, suburbs, you know the term, and uh, you have a nice house, and, and you think that you are not suffering. That is the first confusion that you have. Well, then I began to explain the nature of his suffering. <laughs> and, and then I said, and let me put your question, let me ask your, see if I understood your question. What you're asking me is how, by invoking the Lord himself causing him to be present along with all of his shaktis and powers and energies, which is what chanting the holy name means, as Mahaprabhu is explaining, how by invoking the, the personal presence of the Lord with all of his power will we be able to solve the problem of hungry people in India? And that does your question make sense? No, it is a comprehensive solution, actually. Hunger is not a problem, and, and so with all the problems of life. Uh, if you follow me, hunger is not a problem of the belly. It's a problem of the heart. Shridharmarsh, which Padshridharmarsh was commissioned by Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur to open a temple in Madras. So he was dispatched there with some other devotees, and they went at one point to the king, of Madras to ask for a donation for a temple. Some of you may have heard the story. I've told it before. And so they went. The secretary, the treasurer, was sent to speak to the to the sadhus who had come to the to the door. And he, they put forward their request. We want to open a moth here, a center for spiritual culture and the dissemination of spiritual knowledge. And so the secretary said, "Yes, it's a very nice idea. Very nice idea." Certainly, I will put that on the list for the king. He's going to be giving donations at the end of the month. Month, and thank you very much. So time passed, and no donation was forthcoming. So after some time, uh, Sri Ramarsh returned. He said, "We had come. We had asked for a donation from the king for a moth. You put us on the list, but..." You have not given anything. He said, the thing is, secretary said, the thing is that we have so many important things to do here. You know, they are hungry people. We need a hospital. We need this, we need that. And so I'm afraid that you're, you're a mom. And there are already so many temples. 
And, and so, in this way, he, he was speaking, and Shudamar said, I, I realized uh, they're not giving. They're not going to give. He's just being polite. So he thought, now I have nothing to lose. I might as well come out with the whole thing. In other words, in preaching, we don't tell everybody everything all at once. <laughs> that will frighten them away. We tell them something to encourage them, and get them involved, and so forth. So he thought, I have nothing to lose now. They're not, they're not going to give. I might as well just give everything to them in a last-ditch effort. So he quoted from Bhagavatam. What is that verse? End of the 10th canto of 31st verse of Rasalila. Sukadeva Goswami says, Rajavadubir idam chadishnu shadhan bitanu. What is it? Shadhan bitanu atavarna yadyasar. Bhakti param patilabhyakamam hidrogam ashvahinoti achirena dira. Hidrogam. This verse says the Brajavadu, the wives, Vishnu, is going with the wives of Braja in Parakya. And if uh, someone with faith, Shadhanvita, strong faith, firm faith, coming from Guru Parampara, following the Guru Parampara, hears about these pastimes of Krishna with the wives of the uh, of Braja, which has just been narrated in five chapters of the Rasalila, then this is, of course, an answer of Sugadeva Goswami to the question of Parikshit Maharaj. If the king heard this, he thought, it's a very nice story, but I have a question. How, how is it that the very bridge of religion, Dharma Setu, that you can walk across, uh, the, the, the upholder of religion, is uh, uh, consorting with others' wives? Uh, how can I understand this? So Sukadeva Goswami tells him, first of all, you should know, that the uh, Krishna is the husband of the husbands of the wives of Braj. He's the husband of everybody, is his position. And he goes on, and he cites this verse. He says, the, the nature of these pastimes between Krishna and gopis are that they are so pristine, so absolutely pure, that if one just hears about them with faith properly from Guru Parampara, then hridrogam, the, the disease of the heart, which is what? Kama. Desire. Lust, but it means desire. Uh, bhakti will come in your heart and this, 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 this hridrogam, this disease, which is the whole problem of material existence, that will go away. So he quoted this verse with emphasis on hridrogam kamam, the problem of material existence, for which there are the disease of material existence, for which there are many symptoms, is, is desire. So you want to Open the hospital. You want to feed the poor. And he said, uh, as an elephant, you have eaten jungles, and still you are hungry. He went through a whole explanation like this. That life after life, you want to feed the hungry life, but hunger will not go away, no matter how much you feed it. As an elephant, you ate a jungle. 
and still you are hungry. <laughs> it will never end. These are all the symptoms, the problem, the disease. It's Ridrogam, the disease of the heart, it's karma. Desire itself. Desire, an unfulfilled condition. Ignorance of the nature of the self, which is full. This way he came out, he said, gave everything. Thought, I have nothing to lose now. First he approached and thought, they're charitably disposed, we'll get on their list, be one of the charities. You know, there's, there's hungry people, there's hospitals, there should be temple also. And he realized, oh, they don't understand what a temple is at all. So he told them like this. He gave such a powerful and impassioned speech at that time that the secretary put his name at the top of the list and gave the donation for the month from the game. He had never heard such a powerful presentation. So Krishna Nam, how by invoking Krishna Nam with all of his shakti and power can we bring about a solution to the problems such as hunger, disease and so forth? And if we understand, the point is, if we understand Krishna Nam properly, then this will not, we won't ask this question. This is a comprehensive solution. Hunger is not a problem of the belly, it's a problem of the heart. Feeding hunger will never stop hunger. So Mahabharata says, Nam Namakari Bahuda. You have many names, and the names that are filled with your potency, your Shakti. Uh, these are very special names. Nam Namakari Bahuda Nidasarva Shakti. Tatrarpita Niyamita Smonanena Kala. So, again, he's glorifying the names. Now he's speaking about how merciful these names are. It is said, the name is non-different than the named. Krishna Nam is non-different from Krishna. But, although the two are non-different, there is a difference between them. What is the difference? In the form of his name, the named is more merciful. Even if we offend the form, the name comes to us. A very special dispensation of the Lord coming in the form of His name. And here, this is emphasized with regard to chanting the name, He says, there are no regulations and rules. You can chant in your sleep, while eating, while walking, in any time, any place, there's no restriction with regard to time, place, circumstance, clean or unclean. This is, um, uh, of course, speaking about the nature of the practice, Bhajana Kriya, the nature of the practice of Krishnanam. If we compare it to other um, disciplines, spiritual disciplines, oh, then we will be we realize we are foolish to uh, not to take up the chanting of of Krishna Nam. It is very easy in comparison. No qualification except what it needed on the person. Only faith. If you have faith, take it. And it's so great as we've heard, the qualification for uh, taking Krishna Nam is, is just faith in it, exclusive faith in it alone. And why should we not have that? 
We've heard so many things about it. And now, in order to chant the name, we'll think, oh, well, then there must be, it must be difficult to do, right? I mean, it's such a great thing. And, uh, no, very easy. There are no rules. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had a problem in his youth. What was his problem? His tongue would not stop chanting Hare Krishna. Krishna Nam was dancing on his tongue and would not stop. So he had it was a problem for him because the um, sacred mantras and uh, religious practices and so forth, spiritual practices, are to be done under certain conditions. When we meditate, we want to have a clean place, and a, a Bhagavad Gita explains a proper seat, not too high, not too low, and, and a secluded place and so forth. For chanting the mantras, there are regulations like time, which they should be chanted, direction which one should face, one has to be clean, and so on and so forth. One has to take path before going to the temple. And and so, this was Mahaprabhu's uh, natural and spontaneous way of worshipping. This is what he came to teach about. His tongue was vibrating Krishna Nam constantly. So, when he went to... Um, to take bath or to to pass uh, stool, his tongue kept vibrating, Krishna Nam. So he became worried, I'm making offense. I'm doing the worship in an unclean state. But one devotee named Gopal Guru, he informed him, no, no, you don't have to worry like that. For this Krishna Nam, there are no regulations. It, it transcends all regulations. It's very merciful. So Mahaprabhu became very happy to hear that. And he nicknamed that devotee Gopal Guru. His name was, I guess, Gopal. And Mahaprabhu named him Gopal Guru. You're one of my gurus. It's freed me from this, this dilemma. So, anytime, any place. This is very uh, um, extraordinary, this type of worship. Anyone, any place, any background. No prerequisite, no qualification. Just believe what's said about it. Have faith in that. Feel that in your heart. Yes. Faith, of course, is something very special. It's different from belief. Belief is uh, the uh, realm of the, of the intellect. Prabhupada used to say, this is not a faith, it's a science. Sri Dharmarsha used to say, this is all faith. And so they seem to contradict one another. But if we look carefully, of course, we would, in such instances we should know, hmm, there's no contradiction. These are both great devotees of Krishna. must be apparent. We have to look more closely. They've given us an opportunity to look more closely. What are they really saying? That's a good, op- good opportunity for us then. So Prabhupada, of course, was saying that <clears throat> this is not... When he said it's not a faith, he meant it's not just something you believe in. Because you heard, you just believe it. Um, but, uh, but it's actually something that can be, uh, demonstrated. That's why he called it a science. If you apply yourself, you'll get the results. And you can see for yourself, and so forth. When Shudamar said it's all a faith, he meant it's not just a belief, but it's all, um, uh, it's coming from up to down, who has faith by their company, 
that comes to us, awakens within us the sense that just by doing this, my life can become perfect. So if we have that faith, by good fortune, the fortune of good company, we can take Krishna Nam. And then there are no hard and fast rules. Of course, then we'll think there are many rules. What are you talking about, Swami? There are so many rules. But all the... <laughs> All these rules are really subordinate to uh, the uh, idea of uh, always remembering Krishna, which is very easily possible by chanting the holy name and never forgetting him. All these rules are secondary. They come to assist us in chanting the holy name. And if we're wise um, and uh, thoughtful about chanting, then we'll want to find out anything that we can do that might help us to take advantage of these two syllables, Krishna. And so we will, we will adopt things that are helpful. And they, we won't, we'll, if we under, so my point is, if we understand this properly, we won't see this as rules that are restricting and overbearing. We'll see these as facilities that come to, to help us, assistance, attendance. The main principle being, Know, to take advantage of all the nectar that's contained in Krishna Nam. Then if I find out, oh, by doing this it may be helpful, indirectly, I'll do it. Find out by doing that, that will be helpful directly, I'll do it. If I find out by avoiding this, it will be helpful, I'll avoid that. But if we just, if we don't understand the central focus uh, of chanting Krishna Nam, the virtues of that, and so on and so forth, then we will see the, the whole affair of... Um, uh, Bhakti Marg, uh, oh, there's so many rules we have to follow, so many things, and so restricting in so many ways. If we understand the freedom that is possible by chanting Krishna Nam, if we get a glimpse of that by glimpsing the life of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the life of his devotees, we think, I want that kind of freedom, that kind of independence, that kind of life. Then again, all these so many rules and regulations, they're secondary things. We'll adopt them, thinking, oh, this is come to help me, assist me, not to restrict me in any way. And again, comparatively to other disciplines, in the karma marg, for example, if you want to attain success in the karma marg, of the success being the pariyojan being more karma, <laughs> or being material, better material facilities, Oh my gosh, there are so many rules you have to follow. It's a, it's a huge burden, the Varnashram. So many rules and regulations. And Gyanmarg, to follow that, oh, and you have to be pure in so many ways. And, and uh, practically you have to give up everything just to practice the Gyanmarg. You have to be celibate to start with and so many things. You practically have to end material life to start to start it. Yoga, oh, very difficult in comparison. <laughs> uh, these are, of course, uh, the main paths. Nowadays it would appear that there are many other things to do as well, but um, not in terms of calling a progressive life of the soul, materially or spiritually. So comparatively, very, very easy, a very free path, a very streamlined path. And this way we hear, we think, yes, uh, this, this, our faith increases. So Mahaprabhu was following from the end of the last shloka, Param Vijayate Sri Krishna Sankirtana, 
glories to the exclusive devotion to Krishna Nam, there are many names. And names filled with his Shakti. And in the Chandam, there are no rules. So, this is the, th- the thesis coming. And now comes the an- antithesis. Thesis, antithesis. Tonight we'll hear the synthesis. The antithesis from Mahabrabhu's point of view, first of all. He's understanding what's coming from his mouth about Krishna Nam. All these things that we are trying to explain to the Charyas for centuries have been looking at these few prayers and drawing out so many meanings and so forth. The speaker, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, understands the ramifications of what he's saying and what does it, what does it do to him. Now, at this point, it plunges him into an ocean of despair. He said, oh, so glorious is Krishna Nam. So available is Krishna Nam. In so many names he comes. So, and all of his Shakti is there also. Krishna is never alone. It means through the name the whole world of of, uh, Krishna Lila is available. And to chant, it's so easy. There's no, there are no, uh, there's no prerequisite, no hard and uh, set in stone rules. Just see my misfortune. Dudhaivam. I'm very unfortunate. Why is it? Nanu raga. I have no raga. No attachment. No attraction for that whatsoever. We see the, the, the contrast. Such a great thing has come to him. Such a wonderful offer for nothing. Just take it. And what is his response? I feel no interest in that whatsoever. I must be an unfortunate person. I must be condemned. He said, In me, you cannot find even a scent of love for Krishna. Mahaprabhu told in another place, not even a scent, not a sniff of love for Krishna in me. Uh, what is the proof? I'll give you the proof, he said. I go on maintaining my insect-like life. I go on eating and maintaining my body. I spend time on these things. I stay alive. And if I had love, how could I remain in this condition? If I had love for Krishna, how could I be spending my time on these things, meaningless things, and remaining alive? If I had separate real love, I would have died. I have no love. This is the natural um, feeling of uh, advanced devotees. Because they actually come in touch with all these truths about Krishna Nam that we're speaking about theoretically and trying to understand. Because they actually come in touch with all these truths and understand them. How great is Krishna Nam? In spite of the fact that they do have great attraction from our perspective, 
they think I have no attraction. In other words, when the finite comes close to the infinite, the closer it comes, the more it feels what it's like to be finite, to be small. Oh, my God, I'm small, insignificant. This is a natural development. Therefore, we find in the prayers of Narutam Thakur and Lochandas Thakur and Thakur Bhaktivinoda and so many great devotees, often this lamentation. It's not that they are writing and thinking, I'll write something here so that people will think like this and they'll be humble. No, they actually feel like this. This is a natural result of actually coming close to Godhead. One feels how small and insignificant one is. This is Mahaprabhu's problem. One time, Sridharmarsh used to like to say that spiritual advancement is measured negatively. In other words, as the Upanishads say, he who says he knows Brahman does not know Brahman. He who says he does not know Brahman, he knows Brahman. Unknown and unknowable. You know the story of the devotee who was sent by his father from Vrindavan to Banaris to get an education. Should I tell it again? I'll tell it briefly. Some of you have heard it. But father sent the son to Banaris to get an education. He came back. Father said, "Did you get an education?" He said, "Yes." He said, "Oh, did you study Srimad Bhagavatam?" He said, oh, well, "I don't think I studied that book, but there were many other books." Surely I got a good education. Father said, you better go back and study Srimad Bhagavatam because no one can be educated without studying that book. So he went and studied Bhagavatam. He came back. Father said, so have you studied Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes. Now I understand why you sent me back without understanding Srimad Bhagavatam. One doesn't have an education. So Father said, so you understood it. You studied it and you understood He said, yes, of course. I got good grades, in fact. (laughs) He said, better go back and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. So again, he went back to Banaras. Again, he studied Bhagavatam. Again, he returned. Father said, so have you studied Srimad Bhagavatam a second time? He said, yes. And now I know why you sent me back. Such a deep book. I thought I had understood it the first time. I'm happy that you sent me back to study a second time. Father said, so now you have understood? He said, yes. Now after studying twice, I finally understood Srimad Bhagavatam. So Father said, better go back to Banaras and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. Again, his son went back. Again, he returned. Father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam a third time? He said, yes, I studied. He said, so now do you understand Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, no, he said, I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. This is my understanding after studying three times. It's, not, it's beyond understanding. Father said, now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. Now you're an educated boy. Such is the nature of Krishna. Unknown, unknowable, lovable, and as much as you love him, uh, you can know him, but uh, there's no limit to him. So Sridhar used to like to say that we will measure our spiritual advancement negatively. This is what he meant by that. So I remember one devotee said, uh, that Guru Maharaj, he said, what if we really, I mean, you know, we really aren't, um, have no, we really have no attraction. We really don't know. And Sridhar Mars said, really? You really feel it? Very good. Really? 
Of course, if we really feel this way, if we really did understand what is our predicament, how adrift we are in an ocean of misconception, then we would do something about it. But we don't. So we don't really understand. We don't really feel like Mahaprabhu. But we should. We should. We have Dudaivam, a big problem. So from our perspective, the problem, our problem is that we don't have any attachment for Krishna. And we don't have any attachment, we don't have any attraction to chanting. And when we think that we do, that just shows how little we know. <laughs> but uh, when we think, uh, really, I don't have any taste for this, I am very fallen. We don't really understand that, as I'm saying, because if we really understood how unfortunate that would that was, given the glory of Krishnanam, the facility, the, the, the facile nature of its um, its um, the uh, of the chanting of Krishnanam and so forth, then we would be motivated certainly to do something. So it's worth examining just how little attraction we really have and what gets in the way. So this brings us to some discussion of... What is the word? Something. Anartha. I'm just following you. Anartha. Anartha. Unnecessary thing, unwanted things, thing that's getting in the way. This is why we have, have, have no attraction and why we don't really lament about it, <laughs> which means we don't really understand it to the, the full, full measure. Anarthas, this is the, this is the, now the, the dilemma. Krishna Nam, very great, very merciful, very kind, very accessible, uh, and I have no attraction. So, different ways for discussing this. And, um, different uh, of the Purva charges, predecessor charges have written about anarthas and so forth. Bhaktivinoda Thakura has spoken of four types of anarthas. Weakness of heart, aparad, desire for sense gratification, and bewilderment about tattva. He says about weakness of heart, there are four kinds of weakness of heart. He says, um, just um, attachment for insignificant things. And, how you say, finding fault in others. He called this a weakness of heart. Envy. And the desire for self-aggrandizement. It's mentioned in Hari Bhakti Vilas that the desire for self-aggrandizement or pratishta that this is the cause of all anarthas. So this should be a prudent... We can understand that in relation to Mahaprabhu's disposition here. He has no pratishta. He thinks, I'm nowhere, I'm nothing. I have no position whatsoever. This is reality. Again, as we come close to God, this is the reality. Uh, this is our perception our experience. 
So how far then this desire for self-aggrandizement is from reality? In this sense, we can understand the statement of Bhakti Vilas, the source of all anarthas. Someplace it's been described that desire for self-aggrandizement, prestige, is like the stool of the pig. Pigs eat stool, so what their stool must be, this is the idea. Something we should try to avoid. Difficult to give up. We do something good, we want to be known for it. And immediately the good act becomes contaminated. <laughs> you know how pleasant it is to find out that somebody did something and they didn't want to be recognized for it. They did something good and then they didn't sign their name or whatever. You find out later. Oh, it's become so much more pleasing. So these are four in one category. What was the second category? Weakness of heart. Uh, aparad. Of course, there are many types of aparad, but Bhaktivinoda Thakur emphasizes four types of aparad. Aparad to the Lord's name, to the form of the Lord, to the devotees of the Lord, and to people in general. Living entities, I should say, in general. And then uh, this... Um, uh, desire for sense gratification, he says, desire for sense gratification in this life, desire for it in the next life to be improved, desire for power, mystic power, desire for liberation, satushna. And then uh, tattva vibrama, bewilderment about tattva. What is my identity? What is the identity of God? What is the nature of the path of bhakti and the goal? And what are those things that are uh, opposed or unfavorable to bhakti, bewilderment about these things? These are all uh, types of anarthas. What was the third type? Uh, or did I... That's, uh, we did that one. We did them all. So, that is four types. But there are so many more types ones that haven't been written about. They're in our heart. We know about them. <laughs> so many problems. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur has spoken of an artist coming from previously performed pious activities, from previously performed impious activities. An artist coming from uh, the culture of bhakti, which is compared to the culture of a vine that may cause other, other weeds to grow as well and identifying with the weed rather than the creeper, these type of anarthas. Anarthas coming from aparad. In one sense, we have two types of anarthas. The anarthas that are sins of the body and mind and anarthas that are like sins of the soul. So those latter ones we should be most careful about. Nam aparad, for example. Any kind of aparad, this, this is... Uh, like a sin of the soul. Others are like the sins of the body, mind, less, less significant. They won't impede our progress as much. But so many kinds of anarthas. And they'll be eradicated at different stages of our practice. In Bhajanakriya stage, anartha nivritti, ishta ruchi, ultimately, uh, even the 
an artist that's coming from some upper rod in a distant past life will be removed at the time of attaining prema. So here, Mahaprabhu speaks about the need to cleanse the heart, that we might have some attraction for Krishna, or, or that we might realize that we really have no attraction and it's a problem, and, uh, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And also Bhajana Kriya. Now, uh, as I said, the, the, the thesis is Krishna Nam is great. The antithesis is I have no attraction for that. Mm-hmm. The synthesis is coming in the next verse really, how to overcome all these problems. So that our practice will not be impeded. Now our practice is, our bhajan is anishta. It's it's not fixed. It's it's, uh, interrupted by all these other things in the heart coming up. Mahabhu will give a formula how to overcome these things. That's the synthesis. And that will bring attraction, virtue, taste, so, are there any questions? Yes. Uh, I was wondering about the regression. Some water. Earlier life, like in under hypnosis. We oh, yeah. are. I mean, some therapists think you can upgrade. Another, I don't know if it's an art or something. Anyway, how does it work? Or it doesn't. Doesn't. <laughs> no. That's a scam. Psychoanalysis is another thing. Past life regression—that's a different thing. That's, that sounds interesting, but they'll tell you, "Oh, you were a king, you were a queen, you were this, you were that." Somehow or other, in this life, you ended up just an ordinary person. <laughs> you were a pharaoh in Egypt, and uh, no, but I mean, if you have like a trauma, that can't be. If you have a what? Trauma. Some, uh, trauma. 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 Yeah, that can't be fine in this life. Then they try the. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I, I don't put much stock in that. Hmm? But psychoanalysis, that's. Um, what do they call that other thing? Cognitive therapy is better. <laughs> of course, some people will say psychoanalysis is better, it gets to the root and so forth. So anyway, these things may help us to function better as people, but it, be, there's really no end to all of that, because you can never function perfectly. As a human being is, is meant to be is a dysfunctional condition of the soul. Um, but we want to come into some kind of material balance. That's the whole idea of Varnashram. If you want to take the essence of Varnashram, it's to bring one's material life into some balance so that he can be standing on two feet, so to speak, materially, to pursue spiritual life. Because if you're only standing on one foot, it's difficult to think about spiritual life. I'm, out, I'm, I'm falling over materially. You follow? So the whole idea of Varnashram is to, is, is to engage people in such a way that they become, uh, that their psychology is... Uh, catered to and, and uh, taken into consideration and so forth. So there may be exercises through uh, modern psychology by which one can become more balanced as a human being. And uh, you may or someone may need to do that in order to f- feel more materially um, 
whole and and and, and in balance, such that they can uh, have more energy and time to spend on spiritual life without being distracted. So within reason, that that may be uh, useful for people. What happens is that it becomes a religion of itself, and then people want to become like perfectly balanced, and costs a lot of money <laughs> to do that <laughs> too. And it's a folly because it's not really possible. And conversely, if you can get a taste for Krishna Nam, then all the problems will be solved. But if you can't chant, you can't practice because your material situation is too distressful, then some attention has to be paid to that, whether that be physical or psychological. Does that answer your question? of the mind uh, sometimes uh, the mind like it surprises you that it just goes away and thinks about unmentioned things uh, what should one do ignore it ignore it yeah yeah if you ignore it it will go away the mind feeds on attention so if those kind of thoughts are just you just ignore them it just passes through your head. You don't follow it. Just let it go. <laughs> if you give it attention, then it will keep coming around. If you ignore it, then it will be starved. You have no food, no nourishment. Other question? Yes? Um, it was said that there are no hard and fast rules for chanting, chanting the name of the Lord. So why is then that that usually Gaudiya Vaishnava gurus they when they give the initiation of the name they will also have, have some rules at that point mm. for the disciple? The fact that different gurus have different rules shows that there's no hard and fast rules. <laughs> 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 but um, I think whatever rules may be given are for the purpose of. Um, Helping to the, the disciple to pay attention and and and, and to uh, think of the importance of of Krishna Nam and so forth. And also, as much as we don't like rules, um, in one sense, we are also um, attracted to them and some organization. And uh, Krishna Nam is very free, and, uh, and we want to get a handle on it, so to speak. So it kind of helps us to in terms of our conditioning, to get a handle on it. It should be done like this. And, but then we go and beat other people over the head. It should be done like this. But the teaching is, well, it's not, it could be done in a number of ways. Another question? Hmm. Uh, you mentioned that uh, Krishna likes to serve his devotees, but the devotees don't not to take any service from Krishna. And I'm wondering about our position because I heard it so many times that you shouldn't ask anything from Krishna. So in connection to anarthas like uh, praying for Krishna to move my anarthas or things like that. Uh, so I'm praying to, for Krishna to do something for me. But I always heard that you shouldn't pray for anything from Krishna. You pray to Krishna that you could get a taste for chanting his name. Rupa Goswami has done that in his Namastakam. Uh, 
So we can do that. That will remove all anarthas. Or we can think that if I mind me anarthas is removed, I can have a taste for Krishna Nam. So for that purpose, for the pleasure of Krishna, we should chant for the pleasure of Krishna. That's the idea. But mostly anarthas we can remove ourselves. Also, that's another thing. You can think about it. And think, I want, I want, I want to taste Krishna Nam. What is possible to be tasted? I want to taste that. I heard about this. I've seen other people who are tasting that. I want to taste it. So let me make sense to myself out of my life here, once and for all. These things are not helping. Push them aside with some fortitude like that. In good company, you're not so weak. If you know what you want, then, therefore, good association, we can remember or get focused on what it is we want out of life. This is a short thing, I'm telling you. Life is short. I see some of you sitting there, and I know when I was your age, it's short. You'll be sitting you'll be sitting here, hopefully, at my age or sooner, but it goes by fast, and it's just a spot thing. And what will you have to show for it after it's all over? Attraction for Krishna, that's everything at the end. Now and later. Why don't why don't we all stay together and chant Hare Krishna? You're living here with now getting a taste of what it's like to live without Darya, little taste. You can live like this every day. Or you can make it a little more comfortable for you. No mosquitoes. There's <laughs> relatively no mosquitoes at Audaria. Hmm? Which is nice. But you can live your life like this. I tell you, you go by very fast. And very quickly, you've been like this, you become very happy. Very Life become very easy. I mean, my life is so easy. I... <laughs> I can, every day I have off. Every day. <laughs> I, can, I can do whatever I want. Every day. I only want to serve Krishna, so <laughs> that's why I can do whatever I want. It's so free, so independent. I scratch my head why people are struggling. Could be so easy. So, I invite you to come and live with me. I'll make another. How dare you here in Finland? I'll spend some of my time here. (laughs) More time. (laughs) Okay, let's stop there. See, Shikshastakam ki jai. Groot, Vimanand.